Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to hear your word. Father, we thank you so much that you... Renew our mind with your word, and you strengthen us by your word. You also heal us by your word, because your word is like a medicine, Father. We thank you so much, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamakshak, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are talking about Christmas lately, because in America right now, we are thinking about celebrating Christmas. It's interesting. In the operating room, right after the Thanksgiving Day, November, that Thursday, in the operating room, they turn on the radio. Right after the Thanksgiving Day, after that day on, the radio always Christmas song all the time. The whole month talk about Christmas, and by the end of December 25th, the song stopped in the operating room. So I enjoy for a month of listening to the. Christmas music, but it's not just about Jesus was born as a baby. The most important thing is that He did something very significant for us. That's why Christians celebrate the presence of God or the living God. Jesus is not a dead God; He is a living God. Every Sunday, we don't just celebrate on Christmas; we celebrate Him every day. In fact, we celebrate. The presence of God and the love of God, the grace of God, every Sunday and every day we wake up because He has done so much for us. In the next few sermon, I would like to talk about what Jesus did for us, so that this truth in the Bible will remind us to love Him, to appreciate Him, and to understand why Jesus came into the world. I like to read from Hebrew chapter 10 verse 14, because of by one sacrifice. Who sacrifice? Jesus sacrifice. Jesus did not stay baby forever. He grew up to be a young man. He went out to preach the gospel, and one day he endured hardship, persecution, and death on the cross. By one sacrifice, everyone say one. One time, one sacrifice. He, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Let me make it very simple. By one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, everybody who is born again, how can you be born again? You need to believe in the good news. You believe in Jesus. He is the Lord and your Savior. You repent of your sin. You change your life, turn around 180 degrees, and follow God. That is a real born-again Christian. Those who have been made holy are born-again Christian. By one sacrifice, that sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, He make all the born-again believers perfect forever. Two words here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. One word is made perfect. Another word is forever. If we can make it in a simple sentence, is this. 
Every need of the entire human race is met by Jesus' sacrifice on that cross, and this effect, He meets every need. Everyone say every need of human race, including me and you. This solution happened now in time and through eternity. It starts from the day you accept Jesus Christ and will go on until eternity. That's why the Bible say, "Make perfect forever." And the Apostle Paul confirmed again in the book of Philippians, chapter four, verse nineteen. He said, "And my God shall meet or will meet all your needs." Everyone say all. All your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus, through Christ, the one day we celebrated Christmas, through Him, through His sacrifice, all our needs are met. All our needs are met. God offers only one all-sufficient solution for us. Not many ways, only one way, and that way. That brings solution to our need, to every problem in our life, is the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We may come from different backgrounds. I have Chinese Thai background. You may be Taiwanese. Some of you may be Chinese. Some of you may be Americans. We have different backgrounds. And we all may have different kinds of burdens in life. Some of us may have financial burden. Some of us may have health issues. Some of us may have emotional issue or relationship problem in the family. We all have different problems and different special needs. But no matter what background you have, no matter what problem you are facing, no matter what kind of needs you have, they all are met. By one all-sufficient solution, that is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Now, before I go on to talk about what did He do for us in detail, specifically in the, today and the next few weeks, and next Sunday morning, next Sunday night, and on, if I cannot finish, I want to tell you the cause of all the problems on earth first. Let's look at Isaiah 53 verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all. This scripture tells us the basic, universal problem of all humanity. This is the basic or the root problem. The root cause of all the problems on earth, whether physical problem, relationship problem, financial problem, anything, emotional problem, or the war, or this chaos, the curses in this world, all the problem in this world come from one issue here. That is, we, each of us, have turned to our own way, and we have turned our back on God. We don't follow God. We don't listen to God. We do our own things. We may not commit many kind of sin. We may not even have an idea of how to be a murderer, 
how to rob a bank, how to break into somebody's house and steal somebody's property. Or we may not even think about committing adultery or watching pornography. We say, oh, no, 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 I'm a good man. I'm not going to do that. But you know, every one of us, no matter where we come from, no matter what background we have, one common thing that every human being has, we all has, is that we turn to our own way. And sometimes even Christians still do that. We do our own things. We don't listen to God. I'm going to do my own way. I'm not going to listen to you. I don't care what you think. I turn to my own way. That is the universal common sin of all men, of the whole humanity. And the Bible says, The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The word iniquity in the Hebrew language is Avon. The word Avon can be translated into the word rebellion, disobedience. So we rebel against God, basically. We do our own things. And that is the cause or the root of the problems on this planet Earth. Man is rebellious. We do our own thing. Rebellion, disobedience. But the word Avon doesn't only mean rebellion and disobedience. This little word, A-V-O-N, means bigger than rebellion or iniquity. But it means the punishment and evil consequences that the iniquity or rebellion brings on its train to humanity. So when you do wrong, you rebel against God, there is a consequence. There's a punishment to follow. I want to show you some scripture, such as Genesis chapter 4, verse 13. Cain said like this. He said, My punishment is greater than I can bear. The word punishment that Cain said in the Hebrew language is Avon. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 22 the God shall bear on itself all their iniquities, Avon, to an uninhabited land. And he shall release the God in the wilderness. In the law of Moses, the scapegoat was released on the day of atonement. The children of Israel will confess their sin on the God, transfer the sin. And then that God was punished by released out into the wilderness and never see them again. That is the foreshadow of what Jesus was going to do for humanity. Look at another one. Lamentation chapter 4 verses 6 and 22. Another Avon. I want to show you that the word iniquity is more than just sinning against God. The punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. The punishment of the iniquity come from one word, Avon, which was overthrown in a moment with no hand to help her. Verse 22, Avon, the punishment of your iniquity is accomplished. O daughter of Zion, he will no longer send you into captivity. He will punish your iniquity. Avon, O daughter of Edom, he will uncover 
your sin. Again, when we rebel, there is an evil consequence, and that caused all the chaos, problem, calamity, all kind of death, and all kind of destruction in this world. Death and destruction come from turning away from God, walking away and rebel against God. In the book of Isaiah 53 verse 9, the Bible said, And they make his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, his mean Jesus, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The Bible said that when Jesus was walking on earth for three years, of 33 years, but ministry for three years. He never sinned. He did not sin at all. He obeyed the Father 100%. Jesus never sinned. What happened on the cross? A sinless body of the Lord Jesus Christ took our iniquity, took our rebellion, our sin, and the punishment or the evil consequence of sin on his sinless body. And that's why he died that day. In other words, Jesus identified himself on our behalf with our iniquity, with our rebellion, disobedience, and consequences, evil consequences of our rebellion. He endured all the evil consequences of our iniquity. Like the scapegoat that took the sin and got chased out into the wilderness. The same thing. On that cross, Jesus did something for us. And after you listen to this teaching, I pray that you will love Jesus more than before. I pray that you will live your life for him. You're willing to die to yourself, just like he died on the cross. And you are willing to live your life for God because he did so much for us on the cross. On that cross, a divinely ordained exchange took place. Jesus endured in our place all the evil consequences of Avon that were due to our iniquity by the divine justice. By the divine justice, we must pay the evil consequences. But Jesus paid for us. And in exchange, this is the grace of God. He took the bad to him. And then in exchange, he offered us all the good that was due to Jesus' obedience. But he offered that to us. He took the bad. Everyone say, he took the bad. He offered the good. Amen. Wow. All the evil thing came upon Jesus. And in return, the good due to his obedience is offered to us. And we can receive it. How can we receive that? He gave it by grace. We don't deserve it. Actually, if you look at my life, I'm not a very good man. I have done many mistakes in my life. I have sinned against God in many ways. 
I did not deserve all the good. But by His grace, He gave the good to me, and He took the evil from me. And how can I get that grace, that offering from God? By repenting and believing in what Jesus did for me. In other words, we are saved by grace through faith. By His grace, we are saved from evil consequences. But through faith and obedience and repentance, we can receive. The good God never changed His character. He is full of love, and He is full of justice. Because of His justice, the rebellion that we practice, the disobedience, we need to pay. We have to pay evil consequences of the. We have to face the judgment of the punishment by His justice, but by His love, Jesus took our punishment. The punishment on our behalf by His love, and then Jesus can offer to us the good because of His love and justice. Amen. This exchange offered to us by the unfathomable grace of God, and we can receive only by faith, not because of our own good deed, not because we are rich or because we are good looking. No. By faith and by obedience. That's why I talk about repentance last Sunday. None of us can do anything to receive the good from God. None of us can do enough to receive the good from God. It's all by repentance and by faith. In conclusion, the evil came upon Jesus, and the corresponding good. Is offered to us. Is it great? I think this is a good message for Christmas. Why did Jesus come into the world? Not just have the three wise men came and give offering. Not just have the angels sing to the shepherd. Not just that they will have to travel to Egypt. There is a reason Jesus came into the world. Is to offer us the good and to take the evil from us. Let's look at the first one, Isaiah fifty-three four to five. The Bible says, "Surely he took up our infirmities or our sickness, and carries our sorrow or another translation called pains. Yet we consider him stricken or smitten by him, stricken by God or punished by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was wounded." For our transgression or rebellions, he was bruised for our iniquities, for our avon, the rebellion, and the result of the rebellion, the chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. These two verses give us two aspects. Of the good things that God offered to us through Jesus Christ, Jesus bore our sickness; He bore our pain and sorrow. He was punished by God; He was smitten or stricken by God. That is a spiritual part. He was punished 
by the Father for our iniquities. He took the bad, the punishment, so that in turn, spiritually, we can be forgiven. Are you glad that we are forgiven? No matter how many mistakes you make in your life, no matter how many sins you have committed, once you repent, you believe in the work of the cross and say, "God, please forgive me." Through the work of Jesus on the cross, because He took our iniquity, we can be forgiven. Everyone say, "I am forgiven." Thank you, Jesus. Should we forgive one another? We should forgive one another, and that's why when we are forgiven, we can have peace with God again. We can pray again. We can ask God with confidence in our heart that He listened to our prayer. God answered a lot of my prayer because I know I'm forgiven. I know God listened to me. I have peace with God. Romans chapter five verse one say, "Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, by faith we can receive." The exchange, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritually, we are forgiven because Jesus took the punishment on the cross for us. Are you glad? Somebody got the punishment on our behalf. It's like if you commit a crime and you go to the court, and the judge is your dad, and he. Make judgment that you are wrong. You have to pay two hundred thousand dollars for the fee of this crime. And you say, "Yes, I admit I committed crime." He say, "I need to judge you. Make a word of judgment." And after that, the judge or your dad wrote a check, two hundred thousand dollars, and give to you, and you, I pay for you. Will you take it? You have two choices. You take the check, and you say, "No, no, no, no! I paid myself." Which one you gonna choose? You take the check or you pay it yourself? Take I take the check. He pay for me. Jesus pay the punishment for me. But on the physical side of this story is that he took up our infirmities or our sickness, carry our sorrows or pain, and by his stripe we are healed. Spiritually, we are forgiven. Physically, we are healed. We are healed, and this is confirmed in the New Testament, Matthew eight sixteen to seventeen. As a doctor, I'm a physician. I can say that our church members—I don't know other churches because I never get involved with other churches that much. I'm talking about other organization, but I know one thing. The members that I have been taken care of in this church and all over the world, statistically, have less sickness than most people in the world. A lot of people walk into my office with two pages of medication. Some of them have five surgery, ten surgery, twenty surgery. Our members so far, I never heard about surgery that much. You don't take a lot of medication, less than other people. I'm, I'm not saying that people are not sick. People are still sick in the church, but less because we are under the healing of God. Amen. I just shared with people in Switzerland this morning. I woke up at 5:30 a.m. to teach them the Bible at 6 a.m. and I shared with them. I thank Jesus for coming into the world. 
Because at that cross, he took my infirmities. He took my sickness. When I was growing up as a young boy, all of my life, I had a condition called eczema. Pity itching, my elbow, my back, my skin, everything, and very dry skin, and. I have to sometimes use steroid cream to put on my eczema, and it got worse about seven years ago. Pretty bad eczema. And every morning when I drive to the hospital to work or to my clinic, I say this every morning: By His stripes, by Jesus' stripes, I have been healed. I look at my hand, still there. But again, next morning, I say it again: By His stripes, I have been healed. Suddenly, three years ago, I woke up, all gone. And now, my skin everywhere, no even trace of eczema, all gone. I remember when I started this church many years ago. Since I was young, I have a con- condition called hay fever. Hay fever means in a certain season you will sneeze, you will have running nose and running tear because of allergy around you, allergy to the pollen and the weather. And I went to visit Chiren, one of our new believers at that time. He was a new believer. And I was teaching him the Bible. I follow up new believers when I started the church. I went to different home and visit people and teach the Bible. And Chiren looked at me and say, "Oh, Pastor Lau, you look terrible. You just keep sneezing and running nose and oh." And I say, "Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been sick with this hay fever for many, many years. And it's worse in Seattle during the springtime because of all the pollen." Chiren, the new believer, lay hand on me. He did not even know how to pray. He just said, "God, please heal him, in Jesus' name." And you know, after that day, the hay fever was gone, never come back again. It's gone because Jesus took my sickness on that cross. Matthew eight sixteen to seventeen say, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. I like that. When I cast out demon, I just say, go. I don't want to talk too much. Get out of here. One word done, and healed all. I like that word. All. I pray all the time. God heal all of my members in this church. All who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, "He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses." First Peter two twenty four, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Many years ago, one Japanese student came to our church and got saved. And that day, we have a big snow in Seattle. We could not come to church. We have to close the church down, the service on Sunday. So some foreign student came to my house in Bellevue. I remember they came because they want to worship God. Not a lot of people can get out of the house, and these people show up, including this Japanese student. 
And after we sing the song, we talk, we pray, the Japanese student came to me and said, Pastor, I have back pain for many months. It's pretty bad. Can you pray for me? I never forgot that day. I lay hand on this student and I say, you think this way. You see your back pain go to Jesus' body right now, 2,000 years ago. And you receive his healing by faith. I taught her how to receive the healing. And while I'm praying, I also see in my spirit, okay, this back pain, go to the whipping post and to the cross. And the divine health come from Jesus into this body. When I put my hand out from her back, the pain was totally gone. And Genova had pain again. So when you're faced with sickness or you pray with some sick people who are Christians, I'm talking about Christians, you think this way. By the stripe of Jesus Christ, he has been healed. This sickness, go to the cross, go to the whipping post, and good health, come back in here. You have this faith, receive the healing, and Jesus took the sickness away from the body. Amen? Very simple Christianity, by faith. You may not see it overnight, the healing, but if you keep confessing, believing, by the stripe of Jesus Christ, I have been healed. Everyone say, by his stripes, I have been healed. Can you confess that? Every day? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one. Are you hungry? Hungry for what? Okay, for the word. Okay. I think they don't finish the cooking yet, so I can go on another. Okay. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, him mean Jesus, and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, this is NIV, the New King James Version say, He make his soul, the soul of Jesus, as a sin offering, the offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So the first one we learned that on the cross, Jesus was punished with our punishment that we deserve. And then, we can receive forgiveness. On the cross, he took our sicknesses, pains and sorrow, so that we can be healed. Now this one, what happened? In order to understand this one, you need to understand the law of Moses. The law of Moses in that generation, because Jesus had not come yet, the Israelites, each man or each woman had to bring a animal sacrifice to the priest. Can be a bull, a sheep, a goat, or any kind of animal that suitable. And then the man who sinned will confess his sin on the animal, the animal that would be sacrificed. Then the priest will symbolically transfer the sin of that man that he confessed into that animal, symbolically and spiritually. After that, the priest would kill the animal to pay for the sin of that person. That animal is a foreshadow of the presence of Jesus Christ many thousand years later on. 
Jesus is that lamb, the sin offering. He took the sin of mankind, of every generation. He took the sin, your sin and my sin, and the sin of our father and forefather. He took the sin. He was make sin, so that the exchange will happen, that we can receive righteousness from God. That's why he died on the cross. In Isaiah 53 verse 12 say, He poured out his soul unto death. The reason Jesus died because he took our sin onto his body. And there is an exchange happened. On the cross, he became sin with our sinfulness so that we might receive the righteousness of God or become righteousness with the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the New Testament confirmed. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. He took our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm not talking about the righteousness of man. I'm not talking about your good deeds, that you do some good, you give money to the poor, you went to the mission trip to help somebody, you treat some widow, help somebody, give money to some widow. I'm not talking about your righteousness. Your righteousness just a filthy rag compared to the righteousness of God. We are talking about the righteousness of God that knows no sin. As heaven is higher than the earth, his righteousness is much higher than your own good deeds. This exchange happened. He took your sinfulness and he gave his righteousness to us. So that we can become righteous. It's not your own righteousness, but His righteousness. After we understand this, we don't call born again Christian sinner anymore. We call you saint. Saint means those who make holy by the blood of Jesus. Saint J.R. Saint Nicole. Saint Da. Saint Thai, you are not sinners. You are the saint. You are righteous. Everybody look at yourself. I'm righteous. But not your own righteousness. By his righteousness. Jesus took your sin on the cross so that you become righteous. Let's look at another one. So Jesus took his, our sin to become sin and exchange offered to us the righteousness. But after he took the sin, he has to endure the death that is a result of sin. If you study the Bible carefully, you will find that the evil consequence of sin is death. Throughout the whole Bible. Ezekiel, let me read to you. Chapter 18, verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. James chapter 1 verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, 
brings forth death. Sin brings death. That's why Jesus died, because he took your sin. There are two kinds of death: eternal death and the death on earth. Poverty is a form of death. No money to pay bill. Broken relationship. Husband and wife quarrel every day. Could not get along in the house. Feel like the house is a hell. That is a form of death. Sickness is a form of death. This is the reason why, because I know the Bible. I tell you, I live in a fear of God. I don't want to sin at all. If I know I sin, I repent right away and I stop right away. I don't want to cheat tithe from God. If God tell me pay ten percent, I pay exactly, or not not exactly more than ten percent. Actually, I pay more than ten percent to God because I don't want to sin against God. I know sin will lead death to me, to my wife, to my kids. I don't want to play with sin at all. It's like. Every time I look at the MRI of the brain and saw brain cancer, we call glioblastoma multiforme. Can you remember that name? Glioblastoma multiforme. Or when I see metastatic cancer to the brain, when I look at the MRI, that cancer, I know if we cannot get rid of them, they're gonna kill my patient. It's killing. When I look at those things, I feel like it's sin. Sin is yucky, ugly, terrible. If you don't want to keep cancer in your body, I just finished writing the sermon for the camp next year about the joy. And one thing that I wrote in the teaching is that in order to stay healthy, you need to have a joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is the medicine. Please don't have a long face and get sad, because our body faces bacteria and virus all the time. And who knows? Some part of our body have a cancer come up, maybe in the lungs or some part. But the reason the cancer cannot grow, and we still live a long life, because your immune system kill it, so you don't get sick. I, but if I sin, my immune system will go down. And some bad things can kill me inside me. Please don't sin. Please forgive one another. Please reconcile. If you don't like somebody in this church, go today during prime rib eating and hug that person. And please forgive. Don't harbor unforgiveness. Don't cheat God. Don't do anything. Be responsible for God. Just. Keep your promise. You promise God something. Keep your promise. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't do any bad things. Don't gossip. Don't cause damage to anybody. Don't sin because sin, when it's full grown, it will bring death. I don't want to get involved with sin at all. Hebrews chapter two verse nine. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the sufferings of death. Everyone said death. Crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Jesus tasted death, which is the evil consequence of our sin. So we can have life. 
Jesus took our death. He died with our death on our behalf, so that God might offer to us life. The Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse twenty-three, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." He bore our sin. He died due to our sin, so that He can offer us life. Two kind of life, super abundant life. He say, "The devil come to kill, to steal, and to destroy." But I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly, super abundant life on earth. Good health, strong. He renew your strength like an eagle. He heal all of your sickness. He prosper you like you just heard from the testimony of Chuck. That after he repent and turn around and kick demon out of him, then money come in, pay the debt, pay the bill. This is super abundant life on earth. Good health, good wisdom. Favor from man, favor from God. Everywhere you go, you just go with the favor of God. Everywhere you have the life on earth here, but not only that, you have eternal life in heaven. So, the fourth aspect of what Jesus did for us, the needs that we have, we are talking about every single need of human being. The fourth one is that Jesus died our death, that we might. Share his life, super abundant life, and on earth, and eternal life in heaven. So, in conclusion today, I will continue next Sunday. Number one, next Sunday and next Sunday morning and next Sunday night. I try to wrap up on Sunday night. Number one, he took our punishment due to our rebellion. So that we can be forgiven. Two, he took our sicknesses and infirmities and sorrow and pain, so that we can receive healing supernaturally. Three, he took our sin. He became sin with our sinfulness, so that we can have the righteousness of God, become righteous. Four. He died our death, so that we can have life on earth, super abundant life, and eternal life in heaven. Wow! Jesus has done so much for us with one sacrifice. Do you love him? Yes. Jesus is the answer to this world. Amen. So, as believers, how many people are believers here? As believers. You believe in Jesus. You repent of your sin. You have the right to receive all these four things by faith. But if a non-believer come to you and ask for healing, it's a different issue. When you want to pray for their financial breakthrough, their physical healing, because they don't believe in God, they cannot have this exchange because have to come by faith. Is that right? You have to put faith in Jesus in what He did. So when I pray for non-believers for healing, how do I say it? How many people know? I pray this way: God has mercy on this man. The healing and the help from God to the non-believers comes only by the mercy of God, because He did not accept Jesus yet. 
and maybe because of his goodness and mercy, he will wake up and repent of his sin and become a born again Christian. So when you pray for the unbelieving loved ones or unbelieving friends, you ask God for the mercy. But for the believer, you say by faith, your grace I receive. It belongs to me. I receive your grace by faith in Jesus' name. You can quote that. You can claim that. You can speak it. You can say it out loud with confidence because Jesus did for you. Amen. We continue next Sunday about what else, what other needs that Jesus have met in your life for you. Amen. Anyone in this room don't know Jesus yet? I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching this because I don't have anything to do, because I don't have a job, no salary, so I have to become a pastor to get a salary. I don't need to do this at all. I'm a neurosurgeon. I don't need to study Bible. I have a good job. But I do this because I myself experience the reality of Jesus Christ and the gospel. I myself have a first-hand experience of how the Bible is so true, and how God is so true to me. That's why I preach with confidence, and I want to invite you to join me to experience the reality and the goodness of God. If you want to do that, can you tell God right now? Invite Him to come into your life to be born again Christian. Very simple, just say, "I am a sinner. I have turned to my own way. I turned my back on you in the past years. Now I turn back, and I want to follow you. Please forgive me of my sin. Jesus, you died for me. You came into the world two thousand years ago to help me. You love me so much. You pray like that, you will be born again, and you repent of your sin. If you want to do that." Bow your heads and pray with me right now. Father in heaven, I confess that I have sinned against you. I have turned my back on you. Today I turn back to you to follow you, to obey you. I will not rebel against you. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for my sin, to heal me of my sickness, to give me righteousness, to forgive me. Lord Jesus, you're not just a baby in the manger. You are the Almighty God. You were raised from the dead. You are the living God. Come into my life. I accept your offering, superabundant life, eternal life, the righteousness of God, healing. Forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, 
for offering the good things to me. This morning, I offer you back. I give my life to you as a living sacrifice to live for you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you. From today on, I am a born again Christian. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give hand to those who give their life to Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.